Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back. I haven't got a problem with soccer to be fair. Football. Uh, let's get into the show today. We've got a great one in store for you. And with me is, of course, Nigel Rio Coker, Jonathan Johnson, Michael LaHood. The team is here. House of Champions is here. And guess what else is here, Nigel Rio Coker? The World Cup is finally underway, baby. Well, let's just say the World Cup started with an absolute bang today. We're having some jokes in the, our little private group that we have. And who needs reality TV when you've got the World Cup? Let's be real. There is more entertainment, more going on in the World Cup than you'll ever get out of any of those reality shows out there. Michael LaHood, it went off with a bang, as Nigel just said. But it's great to see that first ball being kicked, right? Ah, it's great to see the first goal going in, correctly awarded goal for Ecuador. Also, shout out to Ecuador. We're in yellow today. I will be upping my wardrobe because this team has got too much sauce in this tournament. You got more passports than me, Michael. (laughs) Jonathan Johnson over in Paris. How are you doing, baby? How was it um, obviously perceived, the opening ceremony, the opening comments from local broadcasters? Because here in the United States of America, we didn't mention any of the controversial situations that's going on in Qatar. It was all, this is just a great place to be and it's the World Cup. Oh, you're calling me baby publicly. I thought we were just saving that for our WhatsApp chats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's uh, honestly... If, uh, if the rest of this World Cup is going to be as entertaining as the days leading up to and this opening match, then, you know, sign me up for, for more of this in the future. It's, it, it's been, you know, great uh, viewing so far, uh, you know, certainly for, for, for someone who is, you know, pretty, pretty neutral so far until England and France enter the tournament. But yeah, you know, I do think you're right. You know, there has been a massive um, uh, disparity between the, you know, the sort of truthful coverage of, of what's what's mm. been going on, uh, you know, in Qatar in the build-up to the World Cup, uh, you know, through some of the the different uh, TV providers. And I think we all, uh, you know, could see it. Uh, you know, I was obviously watching uh, on, a, on a French feed here, uh, you know, and there is a lot of very sort of, uh, you know, Qatar-friendly, very, very heavy uh, sort of media treatment uh, involved in uh, in that coverage as well. Uh, well, I can just guarantee and promise everyone out there who is watching House of Champions right now, please like and subscribe, that you will not be getting any fluff pieces here. We will be giving you the brutal honesty of what we think about this competition, what we think about the officiating. Nigel Rio Coker's got a little wink in his eye right there. And what we think <laughs> about the game that has taken place in front of our very eyes. Thank you to everybody out there for joining. Let's get into the action. It was Ecuador's game from the get-go here. Qatar losing the game by two goals to Nel and Valencia with a double in the game. 
Um, controversially so, there was an offside. We'll get to that in just a minute. But the overall outlook in the game, the performance from Ecuador, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. I will say this, the second goal, the cross from Preciado was Oof. absolutely delicious, man. That was sexy. And then Inner Valencia, this was his day. Michael Hood, what you got for me? I mean, this was a great start to a World Cup. Uh, this is an Ecuador team that not a lot of people are talking about, and I hope they continue to not talk about them because they have the potential to be a dark horse. I'm going to take you back to 2019 U-20 World Cup. This is a young Ecuador team. That U-20 World Cup, you are now seeing what could be a golden generation coming through the pipeline for Ecuador. And going to the Ecuadorian League, Independiente del Valle, 2019 as well, good year for them. Copa Sudamericana Campeones. And a lot of these players, Moises Caicedo, Academy product coming through the pipeline there. And now you're seeing it all on the field. But this is Ener Valencia's team. My goodness, this guy is made for the international stage. What sometimes he doesn't do at club level, and he's having a great season so far in Turkey. But what he's kind of been inconsistent at club level, this guy does with the national team, and I thought he was outstanding. Both goals, well taken, looked a class above everyone else. It's really hard yeah. to... Sorry, go on, JJ. No, go on, go on Nige. <clears throat> no, I was just going to say, it's really hard to really judge this performance by Ecuador um, with real great detail, in our honest opinion. I just think that when you look at that Qatar performance there for me, it wasn't really a great performance or a team that you could really say is at the World Cup standard. You know, they're the second country since, what was it, 1930-something to be entered into a World Cup just because they're hosting the World Cup. I think for me with Ecuador there, you got a good performance. You could see the experience more so with Ecuador playing in situations like this, big tournaments. For me, the two centre midfielders are the, the superstars of that team there. Caicedo and, and Mendes were absolutely sensational. But I still feel it's so hard to judge them against Qatar because the reality of it is let's be real they're not at that World Cup standard or level yet if Ecuador really had to notch it up another level or two you could see they had it in them and it could have been a complete different scoreline but it was a good performance a good start it makes it very more comfortable in tournament fit football to get that first win that first win is so vital so important it takes a lot of pressure off them and I think they know they're going to face tougher opponents as this tournament progresses I think what I liked about them as well is they showed a bit of character, a bit of determination after seeing that first goal chalked off. You know, some teams might have reacted to that and felt like, oh, you know, I'll... Our luck's not in. This is going to be uphill, uh, you know, sort of traffic uh, all the way. Uh, and then, you know, for Ecuador to go on and, and sort of rack up those two goals before half time, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, to, to their credit. I mean, I kind of feel like that atmosphere probably hindered both sides in the second half, although it favoured Qatar more given the way that Ecuador were playing in the first half. Uh, you know, with seeing fans like draining out of the stadium, that mm. is never good, especially not on the opening day of a World Cup. But, uh, you know, I do think that Ecuador as well, uh, you know, to Mike's point, they're a team, you know, with a lot of, uh, you know, talent. There's a lot of potential there, some proven talents like Valencia as well. Um, you know, but I, I kind of, it got me thinking about this group as a whole because I had Netherlands and Senegal down as my two picks to go through Netherlands comfortably winning the group and then Senegal getting through just a second. Obviously we now know that Sadio Mane is out and based on that performance, uh, you know, what we saw so far, I, I wouldn't necessarily discount Ecuador from now being able to sneak through. I know that a lot of people are also saying, Oh, you know, Senegal are really going to fancy their chances now at definitely getting through this group. But I think that will have heartened Ecuador as well. Yep. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying about that matchup. If you're this Ecuador team, you you can only play who's in front of you and getting out of the gates and getting that shutout, not just getting goals, but getting that shutout. I just wonder if tiebreakers are going to be the difference between them and Senegal, the team that can get the most goals against just the, the, the whipping boys in Qatar. I think that will favor them because goal differentials and goals for those are important factors when you get to an international tournament like the World Cup. Looking at Qatar, opening games, when you're the home team, one of the things that home teams really fancy is the crowd support. All the emotions. It's like having that 12th man on the field. Well, you're you're not having the 12th man with this sense of support. Fans leaving at halftime, that is worrying signs for the home team. And when you look on the field, go back to 2019 for them. Asian Cup champions, they had what Asian football player in the year in uh, Avif, I think, 
And they just look like a far cry from all this work. I got to see them in Austin when they played at the Gold Cup last year against the U.S. team. They were organized. They were relentless on the counter. They could just so good in transition. Yes, they looked like Michael, they were terrified. That, that competition was called the Mickey Mouse Cup. This is called the World <laughs> Cup. Like, let's be honest here. Thank I mean, you. Ian. <laughs> if, yeah, if, if, Mickey Mouse that. Cup. Oh. In there, if you, Ian, if you look... Sorry, if you look at the, the the odds going into this game, Ecuador, and I don't want to talk too many betting terms here, but Ecuador had a very favorable odd. So everybody out there who put money on Ecuador, uh, you, you made some money today. And it was pretty easy for you to make some money today. Now, a lot of people talk about the host nation. And, and obviously, we know the story about the host nation playing in the opening game and not losing in history. I get it. I hear it. But this is Qatar. Let's not forget that. The competition, the level of competition is far too great between them and what you see in South America, and what you see, and as far as I'm concerned, even close to CONCACAF region as well. So I will say this. I think that Ecuador were good. There is so much more room for improvement from them, and it's hard not to take your foot off the pedal in the second half. I see some great comments coming in from many people right now saying, boring game. It was a little bit frustrating to watch sometimes. I get it. Yeah, it was. Second half was boring to watch. First half, I thought Ecuador were on point. Should have had an opening goal, ruled out for offside. Then they get the penalty kick, calmly composed, great finish from Enna Valencia. Then you get another great goal from Enna Valencia. The header was exceptional, by the way. His second of the game, yes. But the way he's been scoring goals, his fifth in the World Cup. He scored the last five for them in World Cups. So he's on a roll right now. Cross was excellent. I thought the performance and the way that Ecuador handled the situation Opening ceremony, you've got fans in attendance expecting from the home nation. They didn't give a shit. They went to <laughs> town on Qatar. They could have been playing against any team, any nation, any country. They went to play football. So credit goes out to Ecuador and the way they performed in this game. They went after it, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant to see. I think for me, and when you look at everything, there's so much going on. Whether people like it or not, this World Cup is going to be controversial. There's a lot of going on with the players and the countries and different countries. Different players have different stances and beliefs. When I look at that start of that game there, the Qatari players to me look like a bunch of players who you could clearly see weren't ready for that level, that tournament and what was come with it. They looked so nervous, so nervous at the start of the tournament. They didn't look like they can carry the burden of being the players representing Qatar in their first ever World Cup and being the host nation. Ecuadorian players looked like they were playing their way into the game slowly. They kind of didn't know what to expect because there's just been so much going on about it. And I'm sure they just want to play football. But you could see, like Ian said, the level of quality is just there to see. Qatar, for me, are just not at that level. You can get whatever coach you want. You could spend six, seven years. If it's not embedded in you and your coach and you're willing to invest that time, your money cannot buy you instant success at that level because there's always going to be people where this game of football is more than just a sport. And again, for me, like I said, I believe Ecuador, a great team, good young side, but it's so hard to judge them against this quality opposition because you could see the Ecuadorian players have more to give and more that they can show in this type of environment. But they were just being very professional. They got their win. They dominated their game. They've dominated the game. If they wanted to take it to another level, you could see they have that ability to do that. But again, it's difficult circumstances with everything that's come out, all these so-called rumours that the Ecuadorian players were very professional in their approach. And I think for me, there's more to come from Ecuador, but against better oppositions, then we'll see what real quality is in this young side. I just want to plug in quickly, a good friend of mine, just speaking about Ecuador, and I've always been very passionate about Latin American countries, covering them. There is a charity called uh, Medu, and it's to help for fostered underprivileged children in the city of Medu in Ecuador. And just want to give them a shout out and let people look into that great charity doing great work for the young underprivileged kids in Ecuador. Yeah, lovely to hear. And I mean, I think the thing the thing that really struck me to Nigel's point was, you know, there was that the, there were nerves on both sides because you know Ecuador don't want to be the team that fall foul uh, of the hosts Qatar in the first game because nobody really knew what to expect from Qatar. And I've got a bunch of uh, people in uh, in different WhatsApp chats telling me, oh, you know, Qatar sort of playing within themselves, not even playing to sort of twenty five percent of their capabilities. I mean, okay, I can I can recognize that there might have been some you know sort of nerves. 
I do have some major questions about the goalkeeper, for example. It, you know, that was a very, very nervy opening first half. But, you know, even so, uh, you know, I think that Ecuador approached the game really, really well. No nonsense defending, you know, any potential early openings for Qatar to enable them to sort of gain a bit of confidence and for the crowd to whirl them on. That was kind of stamped out. And then, mm. you know, to score inside of what, with the three minutes, uh, you know, yeah. before the goal was chalked out. You know, that is the perfect way to, you know, to silence that that home support before it can even get started. Whether it would have gotten started or not, I guess, you know, that's another subject of debate. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that Ecuador would, was certainly professional enough. And I think obviously the sting gets taken out of the game early in the second half. And then certainly by the time Valencia, you know, picks up his injury. Uh, you know, everyone is just basically, you know, playing to the final whistle till it finishes 2-0. So, you know, for me, I, I I imagine that there will be some sort of reaction from Qatar because I did feel like this was not the team that we were told to expect. Uh, you know, we, we weren't told to expect amazing things, but, uh, you know, we were led to believe that, you know, they would probably put up more of a fight than it looked like they would uh, at one point in the first half. So let's see, uh, you know, what comes in these these next two games. But, I'm not feeling any more confident, uh, you know, about Qatar's chances of even scoring a goal uh, at this tournament based mm. on what we saw in that second half. Well, it's a good job that um, somebody in this chat put a bet on that Qatar would not score a goal at this World Cup. <laughs> yeah, me. baby! Yeah, yeah. Yes! Both of you did. Me and bottom of the group. <laughs> Let me just tell you that um, this was obviously an interesting situation in the opening stages of the game, but also at halftime. As Michael pointed out, their fans getting frustrated. And I don't think that you are used to seeing it if you're a Qatar nation. And um, certainly you've got a lot of visitors coming into your country being laughed at as much as you are when you've got Ecuadorian fans showing their passion and they have every right to do that, you know, basically giving the finger wave and, you know, <laughs> you're losing this game. That's okay. That's also part and parcel of this game. But I just don't think as a nation they were expecting that type of pressure. They were ex expecting that type of criticism. So really interesting to, to see. And um, I will say this, though. It was really interesting to see how the game started. I thought Ecuador were brilliant. First yeah. three minutes, they get a goal. And in my opinion, I'm going to ask Nigel only really quickly because <laughs> Nigel called me, texted me, FaceTimed me, did everything he could to ask why that was not a goal. And I couldn't give him a proper answer as to why that was not a goal. So first and foremost, Nigel, was that a goal in the opening three minutes or was that not a goal in the opening three minutes? Let me know your thoughts. All right, listen. For me, it's a goal. But to the laws of the game, it's not a goal, and I can understand why it was ruled off or ruled offside to the laws of the game. But for me, my point is this. If it was any other two nations playing and not the host nation, Qatar, that goal would have stood. Because I think that any of us here watching and any experts would have not looked at that goal in such great detail and fine lines to say this is the reason why the goal is not given. Because as the goalkeeper's challenging, yes, there's a defensive player slightly behind the goalkeeper, that's all everyone would have paid attention to than following it to the precise letter of the law. So for me, if it was anyone else, any other nations playing, that could be Brazil, Argentina, that goal would have stood and that goal would have been given. But because it's Qatar, opening game in the World Cup, they wanted all the attention to themselves. They, put, they followed the letter of the law to the last detail to not give that goal. Let me just ask the chat real quickly. Everybody in the chat, please let us know. Did you think that that was a legitimate goal or that goal was rightfully taken away? Nigel, if only we had someone who knew exactly what went wrong with that decision uh, to explain it to us. If only we had someone to help us with that one. Uh, please welcome Christina Uncle to the show to explain to us uh -oh. exactly. Hey. Uh -oh. There she is. There she is. The superstar is here. Yes. Give it to us. Give it to us. Christina Uncle, you are our official. You are in the house to explain to us why that goal was rightfully disallowed. And also, I am inviting Michael Hood and Jonathan Johnson to have their say in this as well. Go ahead, Christina. Yeah, no, definitely. Thanks for having me in, guys. I literally just rolled off of the fields into this call. Um, and I do, first of all, right, there's a lot of confusion surrounding it. I completely get it. I looked it on real quick on Twitter and I said, I see why everyone's confused we got to break this down into three really kind of basic plays, right? First, what really threw everyone is, right, when we take a look at offside, it's a second-to-last defender is where we draw that line. And here we had the keeper come out, and so that's what was confusing everyone, right? The keeper is actually the third defender. So when we talk about second-to-last defender, we're talking about it's typically the keeper. Here we have it. 
that's what draws that line specifically first. So that's kind of what threw everyone. Second one is, right, I think it was, yeah, it was Torres. He was the one who was challenging the keeper initially. So that's the foot that was in an offside position at that time period. And that's the person who ended up getting played by the ball back by Estrada. So it's correct. And it's not even, right, we talk about offside, not by just the letter of the law. It's it's factual. It's black and white, right? Here we need three different facts. One, who's the second to last defender? It's not the keeper. Second, is towards it an offside position? The answer is yes. And then third, this was the one that I really, really, I didn't have a great angle at first. I still haven't seen anything that's solidified it, but who actually played the ball to Torres? That's the, the point. Keeper, yep. Or is it, uh, I think it was Estrada, right? Was it the keeper or Estrada? And this is what I've not yet seen on any replays. So going back to Nigel's first point, right? If Estrada 100% touches the ball offside, doesn't matter if it's Brazil, Argentina, it doesn't matter if it's any of those people, right? It will be offside. But I have not yet seen a clear footage. If it's out there, it should be. VAR should have it. Trust me, they have over 20, I think it's like 32 camera angles for this, that they should be able to say and show the fact that Estrada was the one who touched it. Because that was the only question I had in this play in order to determine whether the individual was in an offside position. One camera angle that I've seen that's been a great one, it's an aerial one coming back, looking from like the AR2's uh, position. That one's clean. It really, really does show where the second last defender is, which is not the keeper. So it's the correct decision only if Estrada is the one who actually plays it. It would be a deliberate play. If the keeper touch it, which would negate it, that's one of the exceptions for offside. So that's why this is incredibly important. And I know someone asked me a question, right? There's another exception offside, not that we need to add more confusion to this, but that if a keeper saves it, right, like blocks it, et cetera, and it goes to a person offside position, you know, that negates a deliberate play. Here, because the keeper is actively running towards the ball and punching it out, we're not going to put that under that exception of save. So there's really just one question to ask. Who touched it? <laughs> That's really the one question. Uh, Christina, great to have you on. And it's uh, fantastic to, to benefit from your insight, you know, to get a bit of added clarity. I mean, just a, a, a quick question from me. I mean, how much confusion are you expecting sort of in these first few days of the tournament? Because I noticed as well, you retweeted something interesting during the game about the, the standby VAR. I was just wondering if you can add anything on that sort of, you know, basically for, forewarn some of the those people tuning in, you know, the, whether we can expect a bit more sort of chaos in terms of the officiating, certainly in the, the, the early days of the group stage. Yeah, and I don't think the chaos is going to be, like if we talk about the actual officiating and what they're doing, they've been working with this technology for over two, three years. FIFA Club World Cup, I know they named it something different. I still call it FIFA Club World Cup that happened in January, February. Um, like, for example, Orsato, who had the whistle today, he's a City Out referee, he's a UEFA referee, he referees in Champions League. We've been using semi-automated offside for Champions League this fall. So none of this is new to the officiating side. So anything that one would consider controversial, confusing, truly is going to be coming from the output of the communication to the fans and the viewers themselves. Semi-automated saying, uh, and I know the first one is, uh, and, I, and I also noticed it in Champions League, is where is that 3D graphic, right? We all were told we were going to see that 3D graphic. It takes three to five minutes, and everyone's like, I'm so confused. And it's because what those 20 other, I think it's 23 cameras underneath the roof is tracking is a limb technology. And that's what semi-automated offside is. At all times, everyone is being tracked, including the ball, which actually has a chip sensor in it. That's how we know when the ball was touched was because the velocity changes. That kind of helps us on this. But what I did notice in Champions League, and I was curious to see if they would improve the time, and I clearly hear they did it, that 3D graphic takes time to create. So what they're actually tracking is every single body part, the blue and the red lines, the offside lines, that is what is automatically given to the VAR. Once that's confirmed by the ref, by the VAR team, then somebody is creating that 3D graphic. Then someone who's producing is saying, okay, now is the time to show this 3D graphic. And that's why we're going to take three to five minutes to see that, which personally, as well as the viewer, that's really dissatisfying, right? We want to see that 3D human graphic that we did eventually see. And then that added another layer, John, you hit it right on the head. Then they took out the goalkeeper out of that 3D graphic and everyone said, where was that play, right? And it was because they were moving the I keeper. I mean, based, based on that graphic, it's literally yeah. just from like the knee to the foot, right? Yeah, knee to the foot. And it's when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that bottom right foot looks like it might've been the only thing keeping them offside. But 
you know, that confusion, that solid five mm. minutes of confusion of what was it. And that's because we need that 3D graphic sooner. We're not going to get it sooner just because of the technological side of having to put that graphic together won't allow it, us to have it instantaneously. But that's what I think everyone's expecting, wanting and desiring, and which is why it added more confusion as to why it took so long. But it's just, it's not on the officials necessarily. It's just on the way that it's being communicated to the viewers at the moment. And Christina, you've reffed at the highest levels that you possibly can. And we've seen technology being infused into things like the Champions League and now at the World Cup. As a referee, take us through what is it like to be in that referee's shoes when you have technology, you have communication, things are happening fast, you're on the world stage, and you have a massive decision to make. Because I just imagine being in a World Cup final and technology intervening in a big moment. Yeah. With, without technology, it was already stressful. <laughs> now you add this technology layer to it. And so, and, and, and it varies, right? So on the field officials or Sato, the assistant referees, the fourth official, right? To a certain extent, you continue to officiate exactly as you would if technology didn't exist, right? Then all of a sudden you hear in your ear, delay, 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 checking potential offside to negate a goal. And then you hopefully hear that number you're standing in the field knowing the cameras are staring at you at all times. Your heart's right into the assistant referee saying, did I miss an offside, right? All of a sudden, it adds that intense pressure to it. But I would argue the one who has the most pressure is the VAR in that booth, right? You're not on the field. You can't fully feel the game. You're in a bit of an isolation. So much is going on with your video operators throwing things, asking, hey, you got, and this one, you got 30 different camera group views, which really only about 10 to 12 of them would help you in this play. You're throwing them back and forth. You're working with your two assistant VARs, which are typically assistant referees, saying, hey, throw this in, throw this in. Are we certifying this? Cameras are on you as well, right? They pan off to you. Wow. Those are the ones with the most pressure. So they do emphasize that time in and of itself isn't a determination we're making the decision, right? We'd rather have the 100% correct play than saying we got it done in 10 seconds. But that being said, it, it it still gives, at least the on-field official says, you know, at that point, this is factual. It's out of my hands. We're going with this. But we have to determine how is that going to impact the players on the field, the gravity, how the game is going to go. Is it going to become more staccato? Um, so technology is helpful because we don't get suicide. We don't, we, we don't get killed the next day on something we could never possibly see. But it, these games, there, there's nothing that can fully prepare you for a World Cup game. Nothing. Um, so excited for them, but at the same time, can only imagine the pressure. In a quick question, yes or no? In all the games you've refereed and an incident like that occurred, have you seen goals given? Yes or no? <laughs> the answer is yes, because you can't get that in live play correctly. Okay. Quick question for you as well, Christina. Um, yes or no? Also, if you were officiating in VAR right there, would you have given that as a goal? No. He can't okay. because there that's are. All, that's all I need. No, that's all I need, Christina. I need to hear anything else. <laughs> all right, Christina, we, we got to let you go, but where can people find you on social media? I mean, obviously, we're going to have you back throughout the World Cup at some point, um, but where can people find you so they can follow you? Yeah, breaking down the laws, uh, Twitter, and then I'm going to have to jump back into this uh, thing called uh, TikTok. So I will figure that out today. So if you want some of that, but at Christina Uncle on Twitter and TikTok. Wonderful. Last comment. We've had about probably 50 comments into your direction, Christina, but this one's probably the best one from Vic. He said, thanks, Christina. Now I'm even more confused. Thank you very much. Everybody round of applause for Christina Uncle. Thank you, Christina, so much for joining us today. That's Christina Uncle. Awesome stuff from her as always. Uh, guys, there you have it. There's a great explanation from Christina Uncle. She is our rules expert at CBS Sports. She does mm. such a great job. And uh, we will touch upon this game and we'll also preview uh, pretty much more what's coming up on the opening kickoffs of the World Cup up when we return but right now we're going to take a quick break stay with us everybody you're watching house of champions the boys and i will be right back this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, don't stop watching the world's best soccer stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for club. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code all year at ParamountPlus.com slash sports. Nigel Rio Coker, where is the QR code? There <laughs> it is. Welcome back, everybody. You're watching House of Champions. The boys and I are reviewing the opening kickoff. Um, obviously, Ecuador getting the three points and a big win for them and a convincing performance. Christina Uncle, awesome stuff from her as she broke down as to why that opening goal was disallowed. Great stuff. We will have her back on the show as we go throughout the World Cup. But let's get to the opening ceremony. I'm quite intrigued to hear what you guys have to say about the opening ceremony. Uh, JJ, baby, I'm coming to you first. What did you think? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I've, I've got a controversial admission of my own. I was walking my dog during yeah. the ceremony. So <laughs> yeah. in real time. But you know, you know what? I did have Nigel Rio Coca in my ear giving me blow by blow account of what was going on in this opening oh, ceremony dude. outrage oh, outrage that Shakira wasn't there in power <laughs> that, that actually happened he was it as well Nigel thought <laughs> no, no go on guys I, I'm with JJ if I'm honest I, I was taking care of the kids I didn't get to watch too much I plugged in a bit and I saw Morgan Freeman's uh, I have no idea what was going on there with the dialogue with Morgan Freeman I've seen there's a lot of books on Twitter Afterwards, he's getting released from um, the Green Mile. I, I, I'm <laughs> Green Mile. <laughs> oh, no, Shawshank. That's the one. Shawshank. Green Mile. Michael, uh, oh, please man. tell me you watched it. I, I, I'm going to strike out with the group as well. I was getting breakfast tacos. Wow. I have a bite before the big match. Wow. I, 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 once the once the ball is kicked, that's when I was plugged in. So I, yeah. I'm with the group. I watched it and I will say it was very interesting. Indeed, I actually love learning about new cultures, new languages, new you know, people. I like learning new rules and regulations. Thought the opening ceremony was very traditional, obviously, over there. I thought the words were great. Um, you could hear an explanation as well when we were watching the United States in particular. They were explaining it to us in English what was being said. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but obviously they avoided, uh, especially in the United States, talking about the controversial points. So um, opening ceremony, everybody out there, what did you think about the opening ceremony? Let us know in the comments as well. I also want to let you know, if you're just joining the show, we have a 50 or maybe we'll move it to about uh, 100 promo codes for a 30-day P-plus premium free trial to give away throughout the tournament. So please make sure you follow these instructions. Like and subscribe and drop your Twitter handle in the chat right now. So if you're just tuning in, drop your Twitter handle in the chat. We will give away about 100 of these throughout the World Cup. Um, so join in the conversation. Let's turn our conversation over to a preview of what we're going to see on Monday. Group A sees Senegal against Netherlands. Uh, Group B sees the USA against Wales and England against Iran. Michael LaHood, let's talk about Senegal, Netherlands and stick to oh. Group A before we move on to the big one, which is Group B. Uh, what are your thoughts about this upcoming game? We'll be quick on this one before we get to the two big ones. Yeah, the, the loss of Saidu Mane cannot be overstated or understated it's going to impact their goal output. This guy is at the heart of everything that's gone well for them offensively. A big part of their AFCON triumph was because of him offensively. But this is also a Senegal team that has goal-scoring defenders. You have Koulibaly in the back. He is the captain of the team. He will have to step up more than ever. And I think this could be a good opportunity for the likes of he and Mendy, who have had a torrid start to their season at Chelsea, to be away from the Premier League and to have just a fresh start. But it's going to be a big ask going up against a high-powered Netherlands team. AJ? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think that, I mean, I've, the, the temptation will obviously be to write Senegal off, uh, you know, probably a bit too, too hastily. Um, I do now think that this is a really, really interesting race to get what I imagine will be second spot behind the Netherlands. I know that I'm weirdly high on their chances to go deep at Qatar. Uh, so for me, I'm expecting the Dutch to, to finish top. But now that I've seen, uh, you know, Ecuador sort of navigate that first match, because I thought it could be a tricky one, you know, given the record of the host nation in opening games and all of that, that they might, uh, you know, be held to a draw or something like that. Now that they've got the three points, I think that Ecuador stand a really good chance. And if anything, 
that has actually raised the pressure on Senegal, not necessarily here in the game against the Dutch, but it's mm. going to raise the pressure massively ahead of that game against Ecuador. Because if things go as expected, which, uh, you know, with all due respect to Senegal, with or without Sadio Mane, I was still going to be backing the Dutch to win that opening game against the Senegalese. Uh, you know, suddenly that actually makes it a much more uphill task, uh, you know, for, for Senegal to, to get that second spot. So I'm curious to see how they handle it. I do think, though, uh, you know, and, and, and props to Aliou Cissé for managed to achieve so far with this Senegalese team, that they are equipped to get out of that group without Sadio Mane. They do have enough. I mean, sort of in terms of goals being scored, in terms of a deep run in the World Cup, I think, you know, getting into the knockout phase would already be an achievement for them. But I do think that they still have enough within that group, minus Mane, uh, you know, to potentially rival Ecuador for at least second spot. Yeah, a player who wasn't as big of a factor in the group stages and really was struggling with injury concerns, Ismail Yassar. When he got healthy, when he came back during their AFCON run, Senegal became the high-powered team that everyone now thinks that they are and can be. He will fill that gap. I expect him to move from a wing position to the attacking midfield. Senegal's been playing a 4-2-3-1. If he hits at this World Cup, he could be the unsung hero for them. Bouladia up top, and my guy from OM, Ale OM. Free Bamba Diang, baby. This is the this is the game. This is the World Cup. I don't expect him to hit at this game. The Netherlands, they've been in red hot form. The back three of Louis Van Hal is back at the World Cup, and that means goals. I expect him to score a lot of goals in this group. There's not much really for me to add on to that, Ian. I think uh, the boys have covered it great. My only thing is this. This is the World Cup. We love football and football is unpredictable. I think these are two talented nations with great talent on either side. Mane is going to be a big miss. And I think that's the big thing. It's easy to say this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But I don't know until I watch them to see how they can cope with outside air money. They do have just as talented other players. But sometimes when you have someone with that special X factor recognised in world football, he just breeds extra confidence in your team. So that could be a big miss. The Dutch are a team not to sleep on. So I'm just excited to see the game. Well, Jimmy Survivor says you're sleeping on Senegal. They have Champions League quality. I say double chance for Senegal. Listen, the Netherlands have not lost a competitive game since June 2021. It's 14 games. I think they've won 10 of those 14 games. Um, they're just a good side. And nobody's really talking about them too much as far as to win it. Certainly the odds are against them to win it. Um, but this is a very good Dutch side. Uh, clearly, we have the question mark about Memphis Depay, who is the one who obviously did so well recently, scoring a barrel load of goals through qualification, not going to be there um, in these opening game struggling with injury uh, but watch out for Cody Gakpo watch out for players who are stepping into his shoes Bergwijn we expect to do well I'm intrigued to see if Noah Lang can get on the pitch as well see if he can perform a little bit so really interesting game and obviously now you see what you're up against uh, looks like everyone's going to take three points against Qatar um, but Ecuador I think maybe people are now taking notice as how dangerous they possibly could be let's move on to group B we're running out of time but we've still got a lot of time left to talk about England against Iran baby looking forward to this game I'm not calling you baby JJ. I'm going to Nigel Rio Coker on this one first because Gareth Southgate is under pressure, of course, from the media and his players. The heat seems to be an issue for these English players in training, Nigel. But I think this should be an easier win for them if they don't underestimate what Iran have in attack. Yeah, I think England have to be respectable. And I think Gareth Southgate is the right manager to, to be in charge of England to let them realise that the whole world is bigger than England. You know, it's not just England and then the rest of the world. You have to have that humidity about you now as a team. Um, the heat could play a part. You know, you know very well, Ian, that the, the English don't really travel well. Um, but I think for me, Iran, I look at this game and I'll say it. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to this game than just the football. That's just my personal opinion. I think that there's going to be government involvement in this game for from Iran's perspective, because of the dislike of England and America, that's out there for everyone to know. I think Not many, players... like the English, Nigel, just letting you know. Okay, but I think there's going to be some huge in, in, <laughs> incentive given to the Iranian, Iranian players to win against England and to win against the United States. I think it's going to be more than just a football match. But for England, it's going to be to see where they're at. You know, we've had a lot of talk. They haven't finished off the end of, back, the end of last season well internationally. Players look tired, look laboured. Question marks about selections for this team now. I don't mm -hmm. believe uh, Mason Mount... Uh, no, I don't believe uh, Carl Walker's fit enough to start this game. Harry Maguire hasn't played a lot of game. England are vulnerable defensively. Mm -hmm. That is a big problem for England in this game. So they have to show Iran a tremendous amount of respect. They still have the quality up front to get it done. 
Well, the big, big question coming into this game is which England player is going to be rocking the worst sunburn by the time they kick off? Because we all know <laughs> there's a lot of pasty boys in that group. Surely it's <laughs> no, going to be British. Honestly, though, on the on on the topic of Iran, I mean, yeah, we we know that there is uh, you know a very delicate political situation uh, you know in yeah. the country at the moment. We don't know how that's going to impact on the players because it's one of those things that could go, could go one way, could go the other. You know, they they could feel very isolated from their country, and it it could be quite a meek performance because we have seen that from Iran in the past. But also, you know, Iran and the Iranian national team could turn into something of like a you know a bit of a rallying point for the Iranian people. Uh, you know, and they could be sort of that beacon of hope, and then an unexpected uh, you know. Uh, you advance to the latter stages of the World Cup, you know, that could really, uh, you know, do a lot to, to lift some spirits. Because if you look in that squad, there is a lot of quality. I mean, you look at that attack, there's not many teams sort of of the same kind of standing as Iran that can boast sort of attacking quality of, you know, like uh, Taremi and Sarafad, Asmurun. I mean, you look in that midfield as well, there's definitely goals in people like Godos, uh, Jahan Bakash as well. Uh, you know, they're no mugs. And, you know, I think if, if, Teams like England, uh, the USMNT and Wales don't respect them. They could certainly pick up, uh, you know, a few points there. I, my my belief is that the the teams getting out of this group, it's going to be quite tight, uh, you know, between at least three of the teams uh, in this pool. So I'll leave it up to you to, to guess who the kind of fourth, uh, you know, that also ran in the group is, in my opinion. But uh, <laughs> I, I, th I think that Iran... I, I think Iran could be one of the surprise. I think they could be one of the surprise packages of this World Cup. I wrote up an article the other day going through one potential surprise package from each group, and I picked mm. Iran in this group. Yeah, when you have players playing in the Champions League like Taremi playing for FC Porto, this guy has done it in the group stages. A big reason why FC Porto have been successful this season to get to the knockout round. Mind you, they topped the group because of his play. He is one to watch so deadly in the box. If you are England with this woeful backline of yours, it's not a struggling. I'm going to say woeful, and I'm going to leave the smashing of England for the US MNT game. Nigel, I see you rolling your eyes. I'm holding the receipts in my left hand for the box or the, the Black Friday game. But let's stick with this one. This is an Iran team that they're good in close games. When it's a low-scoring game, they can beat you 1-0. They already had a 1-1 draw with the likes of Senegal. They beat Uruguay 1-0. So if you take them lightly and you're England, you will be surprised. Maybe get a draw that you weren't expecting or, dare I say, a big fat L loss. But I think England will be okay in the end. One word answer, Mike. <laughs> One word answer. If England's back four is woeful, what's the United States back four's line described as? One word. Oh, we're going to get to the USMNT. Pardon? <sighs> One word? I've got like 19 words, none of them okay, appropriate for this on. show. Let's move but on. One, yeah. one word, one word, on, developing. One word, developing. That's what I think, developing. Work in progress. Here's, here's, here's the key question as far as I can see when we're talking about England and USMNT. Would Harry Maguire get into the USMNT starting 11? Yes. Ooh. No questions asked. He'll walk in no. there. No. You're not involved. serious, Michael, right? No, of course I'm kidding. Yeah, okay, good. Of course he'd come in. He'd, he'd, he'd <laughs> captain the freaking team. Of I was course. about to switch my internet off for a minute here and just of say we're aligned, everybody. Play. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, just to your point there, uh, we must not forget that Mediterranean is in terrific form, not only for his uh, club team, but also for the national team. 28 goals from only 60 games he has scored for Iran, and it's just uh, unbelievable statistics. Obviously, you must not forget the opponents they're playing against. Uh, Sardar Asmum, another one that really always catches my attention, but when I look at the stats there, they don't lie either. 41 goals from 65 games for his national team. But this England team, we must not forget that they have come a long way when it comes to big competition. The semi-final of the last World Cup, the final of Euro 2020, even though it was played in 21. Um, England are not far away from being successful at a major tournament. Do they have a squad to win it? They certainly don't have the best squad in the World Cup, but we will find out pretty quickly whether they have the best team and if they are the best coached team in this World Cup. I can't wait to watch England. I'm really excited to see how far they go, um, also because they're in the U.S.'s group. So let's turn our attention to USA against Wales. Um, I don't really need to talk too much about this game. Michael, I'm going to let you take it from here because Greg Berhalter has got his team absolutely fired up. They had a call yeah. from the president. I'm ready to go! Oh, man, I can't wait 
for this game tomorrow. Cannot wait. I have got my Uncle Sam outfit pressed, got my big 4th of July hat, <laughs> backyard barbecue. I'm going to be the most American of Americans. I've been waiting for this moment. If you thought I was American before, well, it's going to go one notch higher. What I like about the USMNT, if you go back to previous World Cups that they've done well in, it's when there's no expectation. When there's very low expectation, oh, they're not going to get out of the group in 2014. What do they do? They get out of the group. 2002, ah, oh, they're struggling before the World Cup starts. They get out of the group. 06, expectation there. It goes down the drain. Because of the weight of qualifying for the World Cup, missing out in 2018, and a new generation coming in, these young players, they don't even know what their ceiling is. And what I like about them, they play to the quality of their opponents. So they will be fired up for this first game. And I think that they could get a very positive result. I think they will get a very positive result because youth will they be have to. the factor. Youth will be the factor. USA, good goalkeeper, good potential. Back four, super questionable. No clinical striker. And Michael talks like this USA team is the past USA team with a lot of character and experience with great determination. That No, there isn't a lot of character in this team. Weston McKenney, I'll give you. Mm. One person that showed a bit of character and grit. They don't Tyler. have that much character. Tyler, Tyler yeah, you got to say well, Tyler. Yeah, Tyler a bit yeah. of character. But yeah. this, no, let's, let's, not, let's not try and make this what it is. Wells, you're truly underestimating Wells and how talented that Wells team is and the young talent and players that they have with the experience that they have. They know what's at stake. This is the youngest team in the World Cup that people keep talking about. Great. Well done for USA. Give yourself a pat on the back. But what's going to come of it? That's what you got to look at for me. There's a lot of questions in this USA squad. And when you play Wells, you're going to see what people keep talking about, Mike. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I'm I'm watching this Wells team. And obviously, Gareth Bale, the big talking point. And this was written in the stars for Gareth Bale to come to Major League Soccer, win MLS Cup, the impact that he had in a short amount of time. And in MLS the blink of an eye. Now. MLS legend, yeah. cue the statue, <laughs> rename the Gareth Bale MVP award. Sorry, Landon. It's Gareth Bale's time. Set pieces is going to be the undoing or could be the undoing for the U.S. The Welsh team relies on the set piece quality of Gareth Bale. They're, they're a counterattack team, and they're going to set up free kicks for Gareth Bale on the mantle. This is also a Wales team that has not won a game since qualifying against Ukraine. So... JJ, he's going to show up. Finish, finish him off, JJ. <laughs> no, but you know, you, you know what? I mean, my 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 overall view of this, like like I said, I feel it's going to be a tight group. I'm confident England will be one of the two teams going through, but I certainly think that position behind England, you know, it, it could even play on some of the the early results. USMNT will be in action after that England Iran game. I think. This is this is a must-win game for for USMNT or Wales, either one of them, in terms of their chances of getting through. Uh, you know, in the in the top two, because I think there will be you know some surprise results. Uh, you know, in this group, I really really feel. I mean, we've seen in the past. You know, Iran I think missed out on the the knockout phase by a point last time out at the World Cup. Let's not forget as well. This is what Kiros is what third or fourth World Cup with this team. I, I really think that they could give the USMNT or Wales a run for their money. And whoever loses this opening game is going to be facing an uphill battle to, to get out of the group. Mm. I love that you say that it's a must-win game. I actually think that it could be a bit of a draw, a bit of a stalemate going on, given the fact that both of these teams, it's going to be a feeling out process. There's going to be a lot of emotions and the anticipation of, hey, we can get So you're going to be like really forward. jolly and American and then it's going to be nil-nil. Is that what you're uh, telling me? I'm telling you it's going to be one-one. I think Wales <laughs> get the first goal. You said all of that and now you're saying one-one. <laughs> yeah, one. I'm saying one-one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, one you've, you've served I'm, up the heat, the famous Heath Pierce. Cheese pizza. <laughs> Giving us all the analysis. <laughs> I'm giving all you right, the analysis just to go 1-1. One, one. Nigel, give me your prediction on the score, please. I think England will win against Iran tomorrow. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. And then mm -hmm. I think Wells are going to beat USA 2-0 tomorrow. JJ. Uh, you know what? This, this one's a really tough one. I think England will scrape... Um, a win. I'm going to say 1-0 England, and I think it is going to be a draw. I do agree with Mike Lahoud. I'm going to say 1-1 uh, USMNT Wales, but I don't think that's necessarily good news for the USMNT. Ooh. Mike, 
I, I think one uh, spot on with you, JJ, and I think it's going to be great news for the USMNT to get a one-one draw and get that belief going in this group. Jesus Christ! Unfortunately, <laughs> for the House of Champions followers, uh, Michael Lahood is now saying one-one. Okay, now I will say this before we get out of here. Just going to give my opinion. The US need to win. They know they need to win. Um, I think not many people are expecting them to to do well. Except that if you are an American fan out there, you want them to do well. You're hoping they do well but you just don't know if they're going to do well. I think the U.S. do step up. I think they've got too much quality. I'm not underestimating Wales. I've watched Wales, let's not forget, go through the qualification process to get to the World Cup. And this is their big shout at a World Cup. I still don't buy it. Even though they'll have the passion, even though they'll be patriotic and they'll have their whole nation behind them, I still think the U.S. will recognize their quality within this group. They have to win this game. If the USA don't win this game and they don't get out the group, this is a tremendous failure for U.S. soccer. I don't care if they missed out on 2018. They don't get out of the group. Disaster. Disaster for Greg Berhalter. Disaster for these players who are preparing them for 2026, who are supposed to be then in their prime. This young group, I believe in, will get that result in the first game. Then it's about what they do against Iran because it will be difficult against England. So my heart and my head also tells me that the US can get the result they need, but it will not be easy. Good job. It's the end of the show so that Nigel, JJ can't come back at me after saying that one. <laughs> Final thoughts before we get out of there, guys. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Oh, boy. Tomorrow can't come quick enough. That's what I'm saying. Tomorrow <laughs> can't come quick enough. All the fans that are watching live, put the tweet out, text your friends, get everyone tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be a fire show. So start putting the word out to real football fans tomorrow can't come quick enough. Oh, JJ, man. final thoughts? Well, you know, seeing as Infantino was in a bizarre mood the other day, saying he was Qatari, he was Arab, <laughs> he was gay, he was whatever uh, under the sun. I'm feeling pretty Ecuadorian tonight. Ah. <laughs> you look it. You certainly look it. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, have the freckles, though. Like... <laughs> Ah, uh, you know, Ian, I, I love the fact that I'm in front of the firing squad and I take most of the heat. So thank you very much for teeing me up as yep. a proud USMNT fan. I just can't wait to watch this group take flight. In all seriousness, put the patriotic talk away. Uh, this this is the group that I think you're going to see a couple of surprise results and a lot of talking points. Uh, a lot to play for, as Nigel said, both on and off the field, given the political climates of what's going on in Iran, the the matchup and the history between the U.S., and England at the World Cup. Remember, 2010, the ghost of 2010. I hope we will have a shock like 2010 was for the English national team, a shocker of a performance from them. But I just can't wait for the first ball to be kicked tomorrow. And, oh, thank you very much. USMNT is here. Hey, there you have it from Michael LaHood. When I say final thoughts, I meant quick final thoughts. He ended up telling us a story about what his prediction was going wrong there. Uh, to everybody out there who's joined in the conversation on House of Champions, thank you so much for tuning. Please make sure you like and subscribe. Join in the conversation. We will be here twice a day all the way through the competition for you, giving you the real deal conversation. We won't hide or shade away from any controversial talking points or facts. We will give you brutal honesty in our analysis. As you can see from today's show, we are extremely excited for the World Cup to begin. World Cup Qatar 2022 begins for all of us real football fans tomorrow because England and the USA are in action. Boys, I appreciate you so much. We're back at it with a doubleheader tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, and then again back at it at 11 p.m. Eastern after the games conclude. Thanks to everybody out there for watching. Thank you so much for listening also to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Everybody out there, thank you so much for jumping in the conversation. I'm sorry I couldn't get to all of them, but the conversation and the banter was living. It was alive and well, and so it should be. World Cup Qatar 2022 is underway and House of Champions will be with you every single step. We'll see you tomorrow morning.